It's March 16th. This is the One Year Bible Tour. We're making our way through the entire Bible in one year with daily readings from the Old and New Testaments, where we take in God's Word and pause to reflect upon our learnings each day. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide as we read together. I'm using the English Standard Version this year and following the readings for March 16th in the One Year Bible. We're picking up the account of the oracles of Balaam, who spoke true words from God but was a false prophet. This account puts God's sovereign power as a keeper of His covenant promises on display in a very unique way. We are in Numbers chapter 24 today and will be picking up with verse 1. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees besides the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces, and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion and like a lioness. Who will rouse him up? Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. I said, I will certainly honor you, but the Lord has held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, Did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord, to do either good or bad with my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak. And now, behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. And he took up his discourse and said, The Oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth, Edom shall be dispossessed. Sayer also, his enemies shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of cities. Then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, 
Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And he looked on the Kenite, and took up his discourse, and said, Enduring is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned when Asher takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ship shall come from Kittim, and shall afflict Asher and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Then Balaam rose and went back to his place, and Balak also went his way. Chapter 25 We read about Baal worship, otherwise pronounced Baal. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were twenty-four thousand. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. The name of the slain man of Israel, who was killed with the Midianite woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, chief of a father's house belonging to the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosbi, the son of Zur, who was the tribal head of a father's house in Midian. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and strike them down, for they have harassed you with their wiles, with which they beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister, who was killed on the day of the plague on account of Peor. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament. In yesterday's reading, we saw how Balaam was a savvy religious professional. He had gained a wide reputation among the people of the Middle East and did not want to disappoint his customers, whether they worshipped Chemosh, Baal, Dagon, or Yahweh. He practiced sorcery and consulted omens to help people predict the future. He was considered the top candidate to hire when King Balak of the Moabites wanted to curse the nomadic tribes of Israel who threatened his country's natural resources as they traveled northward within his borders. 
King Balak made an impressive bid for Balaam's divination services. He sent two delegations of celebrity officials with money in hand. However, the God of Israel appeared to Balaam and told him not to go with these men and not to curse the Israelites because they are blessed. The next day, Balaam reports to Balak's delegation that they must go back to their land because the Lord God of Israel, that is Yahweh, has refused to let him go. Weeks, if not months later, Balak sends a second delegation to Balaam who offer him a position of honor and whatever price he asks for if he would curse the people of Israel. Although God had already revealed his will and forbidden Balaam to go, Balaam entertains the delegation and makes a second inquiry to the Lord. God chooses to work with Balaam who is violating his will of command and allows him to go with him, but then gives a prophecy to Balaam saying, Only the word which I speak to you shall you do. In Numbers 22, verse 20. The Lord repeats his word to Balaam as he is riding his donkey with the Moabite men. He manifests himself first to the donkey who has the sense both to fear him and bow down before him. However, Balaam beats his faithful donkey for responding to God whom Balaam does not see. Then the Lord puts words in the mouth of the donkey, What have I done to you? that you have struck me three times. These words reflect the fact that not only had Balaam been beating his donkey, but he had been rebelling against the Lord, the faithful God of Israel. And why was Balaam being disobedient to the Lord? Balaam answered the question put in the donkey's mouth, Because you have made a mockery of me. Balaam was angry because he wanted to look good in the eyes of the Moabite celebrities and to maintain his honor among them. The donkey's behavior was making Balaam look foolish. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn in his hand, prompting Balaam to bow all the way to the ground. Balaam needed to see that the Lord was his adversary in this matter. It would be best for him to agree with his adversary quickly and to repent. You can read about the wisdom of agreeing with your adversary quickly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 25. The angel of the Lord indicates that he is the same God who told Balaam that he was to speak only the word which I tell you. In Numbers 22, verse 20 and 35, this is another case of a theophany, God appearing as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. King Balak enthusiastically receives Balaam at the city of Moab and takes him up to the high places of Baal. We see Balaam's dishonesty in the way he habitually rephrases the truth to make it acceptable to all. He cloaks the truth that Israel has already been blessed and that he cannot curse them by saying, Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. Balaam is not the only prophet who has given things to say that he really did not want to say. But the humble submission that was evident in his donkey was not evident in Balaam, even after he admitted that he had sinned. First, Balaam started by putting on a religious show. He created what he considered to be the right atmosphere for a manifestation of God's power. He commands Balak and his audience to build seven altars and prepare seven bulls and rams. There is no indication that God had asked for this. It was an act of religious manipulation. The number seven, signifying completeness, was held in high regard by all the Semitic people in general and was popular in all religions. 
God meets with Balaam and tells him to return to Balak and speak the words that he will give. Balaam's first prophecy was that Israel was a special people called to be set apart. What a difference between God's words and Balaam's words. He starts straight off with the truth. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Balak is furious as Balaam blesses Israel from the top of the rocks of the high place of Baal. He suggests that Balaam prophesy from another vantage point and takes him to the field of Zophim on the top of Pisgah, the high peak of Moab overlooking the promised land of Canaan. The second prophecy was that God had put an irrevocable blessing upon Israel. In Numbers 22, verse 20, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? He was in their midst as their God to be their victory. He is their only king, and his shout is among them. In verse 21, Numbers chapter 24 gives us a hint that it wasn't until after these first two prophecies were given that Balaam concluded that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He did not need to go as at other times to seek omens, nor did he need to build altars for burnt offerings to woo the gods. In Numbers 24 verse 1, Abandoning his customs of divination, he now simply set his face toward the wilderness. As he lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied, seeing once again Israel as she is seen of God, saying, How fair are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. Numbers 24, verse 5. He will devour the nations who are his adversaries and will crush their bones in pieces. Blessed is everyone who blesses you and cursed is everyone who curses you. In Numbers 24, verses 8 and 9. These are the words that King Balak paid good money to hear. Balak threatens to withdraw his offer of a position of honor because the Lord has forbidden the cursing of Israel. In Numbers 24, verses 10 and 11. The final prophecy is the one in which Balaam sees the future, the Messiah. It has its initial fulfillment in the rise of the Davidic dynasty, but ultimately it speaks of the Messiah. It is likely that the Magi who came from the east to honor Jesus as the Messiah recognized the star of Bethlehem as the star of Numbers 24, verse 17. We read about that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 2. In Numbers 24, verse 17, we read, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth. One from Jacob shall have dominion and will destroy the remnant from the city. In Numbers 24, 19, the Lord would not allow Balaam to curse Israel. The supernatural gift that had brought him international reputation failed to deliver the results that the Moabites wanted. His sorcery and omens were also powerless against Israel. What was worse is that Balaam had pronounced blessing, holiness, beauty, and victory upon Israel. In the New Testament, Balaam is held up as an example of a false prophet even though what he said in these prophecies were true. Though God gave him prophecies, the character of his ministry was false throughout. And, as we see in the remainder of his story, he led Israel astray. A true prophet in the Bible is not just one who speaks words that are true and whose predictions come to pass. 
Jesus said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 and 16. The words that Balaam spoke in Balak's presence did not come from his gift of divination. Divination was the pagan counterpart of prophecy and is forbidden in the scripture. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 6, chapter 20, verse 27, Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14, and in Ezekiel 13, 6 to 9, those who practice divination are called false prophets. They see falsehood and lying divination who are saying, The Lord declares, when the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope for the fulfillment of their word. Did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said, The Lord declares, but it is not I who have spoken? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and seen a lie, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord God. Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Balaam did not want to lose his position of honor by utterly disappointing King Balak, so he made one further suggestion before he left. He suggested that Balak send ritual prostitutes in the camp of Israel and have them invite the men to join him at the feast of Baal of Peor. If they could be corrupted with immorality and idolatry, their God will destroy them. The event occurs in Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 to 3, but we have the explanation in Numbers chapter 31, verse 16. Behold, these caused the sons of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, so that the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. Balaam knew what motivates and seduces people. The food and the women of Moab would be attractive bait for the young men tired of life in the wilderness. As the Israelite men were lured by the seductive invitation of the women to attend their feasts, they would have to bow down to Baal of Peor. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. What about us? Do we allow ourselves to be corrupted by the counterfeit gods of our culture? Do we find ourselves bowing to them as we partake of their entertaining feasts? Have we bought in to the false teaching that we should be friends of the world and thereby become enemies of God? In James chapter 4, verse 4. Are we fascinated by the ritual prostitutes of contemporary society who would seduce us away from our covenant relationship with a holy God? And now we leave momentarily the Old Testament and go to the New Testament where we read of the birth of Christ in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The birth of the Messiah. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, 
each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, Gospel of Luke. 
Luke is regarded as a first-rate historian by contemporary scholars. He anchors events in history with references to the events taking place in the world at that time. He refers to the census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. How wonderfully we see the hand of God orchestrating events through a Roman edict that would shift populations and cause Jesus of Nazareth to be born in Bethlehem and thereby fulfill the Messianic prophecy. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It is significant that the birth of the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world, was born in Bethlehem, where so many of the sheep were raised who would one day be sacrificed at the temple in nearby Jerusalem. And how fitting that the angel's birth announcement went not to the nobles or the religious leaders of Israel, but to the shepherds who were keeping a watch over their flocks at night. And now our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 59, verses 1 through 17. Deliver me from my enemies. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a mitcam of David, when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. Verse 1, Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord of hosts, are God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who, they think, will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. My God and his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them in wrath, consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress. The God who shows me steadfast love. It is obvious that David, when writing this psalm, is in a difficult place. Saul, who was once his hero, a father figure at whose table he once dined as an adopted family member, was now an enemy, constantly plotting evil against him. Saul sent his spies to watch David's house to seek an opportune moment to kill him. Our enemies may watch for ways to cause us harm, but like David, we can call out to God and watch for him 
in verse 9. David rests in the fact that the Lord is his stronghold. The enemy of our soul never lets up. In the light of this, David does not give in to discouragement. He speaks to his soul words of encouragement. In verse 16, But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning, for you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. And now for today's proverb. A proverb a day keeps all folly away. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I particularly see this proverb as one that calls me to seek counsel from the scriptures. Not just one scripture, but scripture as a whole. An abundance of counselors are found therein. I am also grateful for mature and experienced brothers and sisters who offer their counsel, but I must always test their counsel with the Scripture. Remember, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, and so we look to the Word of God for our guidance and for spiritual men and women who can offer their counsel when needed. The NASB reads, Where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Now let's pray. Father, thank you for your pure word, the incorruptible seed, that by the power of your Spirit has birthed in us a new life. Help us to appreciate the fact that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Keep us from the false teaching of Balaam that would encourage spiritual and moral compromise. Help us to flee idolatry and worship you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today and reading through the Bible. I trust that your ongoing meditation in God's Word will inspire you to love Him and serve Him and that you will be fruitful in all your ways. You might want to invite other people to tune into this podcast and also we want you to know that we have resources for you at our website, newlife.org. May God bless us all as we walk in the wisdom of his word this day. Shalom.